Missions has always been a part of the heart of New Covenant Church, part of the DNA. Uh, from day one and from dollar one that was ever given to New Covenant Church, a portion of that, a portion of that has gone out to, um, to reach the world, to carry the message of Jesus Christ around the world and across the street. And uh, I am thrilled that that's uh, something that's not just continuing, but I believe expanding, that's going to go from just being a thread of who we are or a stream of who we are to being a river of life to who we are that reaches out and touches people around the world. And that'd be a great place for everybody to say. Amen. Amen. Let's try that one more time. A great place to say. All right, it really, really is. So, um, And thank you to those who were here yesterday. We had a missions workshop. We are thrilled, we are honored to have uh, Mark and Julie Morse with us today. Come on, give Mark and Julie a hand. Mark and Julie, you guys come on up here. We are so thrilled to have them with us. They are some of our favorite friends and just uh, missionaries who are traveling. They're missionaries from Wales to America, okay? Sometimes we think people come to America. That's not missions. Believe me. How many people know America needs missions, right? America needs Jesus, right? America needs Jesus, amen? And so we are thrilled to have Mark and Julie with us today to um, thank you so much for the great, great impartation and information that you shared with us yesterday through the missions workshop. And the people that weren't here, you just missed out. You blew it. I'm sorry. You just you, know, you didn't get the good stuff. But uh, today we are thrilled to have Mark and Julie with us to share with us, to, um, to just to share what God's doing in their lives and through their lives and all around the world. I want you to give a huge, amazing, big welcome to Mark and Julie. Julie Morris. Come on. Wow. So exciting to be at New Covenant Church in Tyler. I have to be careful how I pronounce that because every I said we're going to do a workshop in Tyler and, and I, I don't pronounce the R just as much as you guys do. And so everybody said, Thailand, you're flying to Thailand this weekend? No, Tyler, not Thailand. Tyler, Texas. So we're, excuse us for our accent. We're not from around here, but we got here as quick as we could. And so we love Texas. We, we feel as though we're adopted into this new covenant family. And it's just so exciting. We, we love, uh, we stay in with um, pa- Pastor Sam. What's your name again? Yeah. Uh, I thought, well, we're actually staying with, a, with a, a dog at the moment. And they just look after him. But it's a bear, uh, or bear, as you say. Um, but we love Pastor Sam and Yvette and, and Pastor Chris and Lisa, and we just feel part of this family. You know, we're so honoured. It's been three years in our relationship since um, we started building that relationship. But really, it started way back when Elise went on a mission trip to the UK, and we were the pastors in the church that hosted her. And so it's amazing. We uh, we said to Elise yesterday, "We are here because of you, because of your faithfulness." And because you have your obedience to go on a mission trip, and now we get to come back and input into you as a family. And you know, this, this weekend is, is an anniversary of us of a very difficult time in our lives, our relationship, in our ministry. And Julie's going to spend the first few minutes just telling you a little bit about what that's all about. So. I just love how the Lord has set us up this morning, you know, with the songs that the worship team chose. Um, just set me up perfectly for what I want to share with you. Today, this very day, four years ago, I was in the hospital. It was the first day of chemotherapy and radiation treatment. You know, when I sang that line, 
you led me through the fire. Radiation is fire. And yet he led me through the fire. And so I'm here to testify that God is faithful. All the things that we've just been declaring um, through worship, God is faithful. He is a good, good father. And he works all things together for our good. He's working even when we don't see it and we don't feel it and we don't know it. But deep in our knowers, when we know him, we know that he is good. And so let me take you back to 2015. Elise came to service at our church, but we knew that there was going to be a time of transition. And so we prepared for new leaders. It was a healthy handover. And so we were in a period of transition, and we're graduates of Christ for the Nations here in Texas. So we came back to Christ for the Nations to be refilled and to see what God had for us next. We had no idea. We were a bit like Abraham, didn't know where he was going. You know, that was the first time it had happened to us. Normally, God had told us in advance, so, okay, take the next step because you'll be going here, whether it was Philippines or Zimbabwe or even Christ for the Nations. But on this occasion, we had no clue. We were just being obedient and following him. So we came to Christ for the Nations and... There was a problem with a missions major, and we were asked if we would just help out. And we're like, sure, it's what you call an alma mater. Am I saying that right? And so we were happy to sew back in, you know, after receiving so much while we were students. And so we were happy to serve. And so at the end of that three months, we were going home. We had visas in hand. Christ for Nations had invited us on to staff. We were so excited. We were like, yes, Lord. We're pouring into students in the missions major. This is our next assignment. But you know, very often, when the Lord takes you to new levels in ministry, you encounter new devils. And it was at this time when we went home, I went to my GP, my doctor, and just thought that I was suffering with hemorrhoids. I thought, you know, write me a prescription for a tube of cream because that's what they do in the UK. And then they send you on your way and, and I'll be done. But that wasn't the case. She referred me to cancer services. She said, you're not going anywhere. You're not flying. You're not doing anything. We have to deal with this right now. I was diagnosed with a rare form of anal cancer. Now, in the midst of, yes, Lord, we've got our new assignment, was this devastating diagnosis of cancer. But at that time, I had a choice. There's us teaching at CFNI. Jeremiah says that the Lord's plans are to prosper us and not to harm us. They're for our good, to give us hope and a future. And yet this diagnosis could have just pulled the rug on that. But you know, when... His word is true because he is faithful to watch over his word to perform it. And so I had a choice in that time whether to stand on the word of God. You know, God, you know. This isn't a surprise to you. It's a surprise to us. It floored us. It was totally unexpected, as you can imagine. But there's no surprises with God. You know, he's omniscient, and he knows, and he sees everything. So the treatment started. That was the first day. It was a radical treatment. But the nurse he gave me was from the Philippines. And she spent the whole time telling me how God had healed her back the year before and how faithful God was. And I was just blown away by just the love of the Father toward me to give me the confidence and the comfort of a Filipino nurse, knowing that I'd been to the Philippines and I love Filipinos. So that was the first day. And every visit, every review, every week, the surgeon would say, the radiologist, um, they were all experts in their field. God gave me the best. 
and I'm very thankful. And they would say the pain is going to get worse and, you know, the skin is going to break and this, that and the other. And like Mark and I, we would come out from those consultations. We would hold hands and we would say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce and I reject. Renounce means to separate. I renounce and reject that testimony. And I'm going to stand, Lord, on what you told me. Because at the day of diagnosis, we were staying with some Methodist friends. And the first thing they did when we went home was to say, let's pray. They're prayer warriors. They still are prayer warriors today and great friends. And the Lord gave me two statements that I could stand on. He said, this is just another testimony. And my grace is sufficient. And so were there some tough days? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a radical treatment. There were some tough days. But you know, when God gives you a word, you can stand on it. So I would say, God, you said this is just another testimony and your grace is sufficient and your plans are to prosper me and prosper. I love the word prosper. It's nothing to do with money. It means to burst through. So if you're going to prosper, you're going to burst through. And I was just determined to prosper, to burst through this season and get on with God, what God had prepared for me to do. You know, while I was um, resting, we had no home. The Lord provided host homes for us to stay during treatment. You know, the Lord uses many different ways to minister to us. Um, and I love Facebook. It kept me connected with my family because we weren't at home. It kept me connected with friends around the world. And I came across this quote by Toby Mack, and it said, At any given moment, you have the power to say, This is not how my story is going to end. And I felt that was a rhema word to me from the Lord. At any given moment, you know what we declare? The power of our words. You know, we have the power to say, This is not how my st story is going to end. And so I'm here to... This is the end of my treatment in, in March, the photograph there. I didn't lose all my hair. I lost some of my hair. But, you know, God is good and God is, is gracious to us. I went for my follow-up examination at the, at the beginning of March, and I was told I'd need three months recovery. And so that was June, if you do the math, March, June. And I went to see the oncologist, and he said, you know, you've come through this so remarkably well. And I said, Here's my moment to testify. I have friends all around the world praying. You know, prayer works. And he just looked at me and he said, obviously. <laughs> he said, you're good to go. I said, what do you mean? He said, you can fly tomorrow. I had three weeks recovery. That's how good and faithful God is. I want to just encourage you. You know, I think Pastor Chris mentioned faith. You know, we build our faith we exercise our faith muscle. And whatever you might be facing, God is bigger. And God is great. And God is more able to get you through. You know, we'd wish that he would take us around or over. I certainly do sometimes. But he is faithful to take us through. And there's something in the process of going through that strengthens us for the days ahead. So whatever you're facing, just look to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him because he is faithful and he is good. Amen. Thank you, Julie. It's, um, you know, sometimes you can give a testimony 
a while after it's happened. And, and for me, I always relive the emotions of the moment when we were going through that. And, and for us, we thought that, you know, God's plan for our lives was very clear. Um, and, and so we thought that, you know, there's nothing going to stop us. But, you know, when, when you, you seek the Lord and you say, Lord, show me something you want me to do, and then you start sometimes to do it, it's not always a bed of roses, because there is an enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life, and life to the full. And sometimes you have to claim that. Sometimes you have to rebuke the enemy in your life because he wants to stop you. Why does he want to stop you? He doesn't care about you. He cares about the thousands of people that you're going to set free as a result of your obedience to follow in the word of God to go. So Judy and I could have camped out there. You know, poor Julie, she had cancer. Poor us. You know, we don't have a home. Poor us. But we said, Lord, you promised that we were going to have a ministry that was going to touch many nations. You promised that thousands and hundreds of thousands of people are going to get saved as a result of our ministry. Is this where it's going to end. Sometimes you have to remind the Lord, you know, have you ever read that scripture for I know the plans I have for you? And I say, well, I'm glad you know the plans that you have for me because right now I don't feel like I'm prospering or have any hope, but our hope is in the Lord. And we must say, Lord, these are your words, not remind the Lord of his words over your life and don't allow him, don't don't allow the enemy to stop you. So I've I've got a two-hour message message to fit in about 10 minutes. So pray for me this morning. But you know, if Jesus can feed 5,000 out of five loaves, then I can do this this morning. Praise the Lord. So I just wanted to tell you a little bit about um, what the Lord has done with us since Julie's testimony there, you know, because we were at a stage where we thought we're going to train Christ for the nation students. And it was so nice this morning to see CFNI graduates leading your worship this morning. That's exciting. We are CFNIers. And, um, but, you know, we thought, well, Lord, have you closed this door for us? You know, cancer had closed the door in a sense, but, you know, God opens other doors if you're just obedient and faithful for him. And um, not long after that, we had the opportunity to uh, come to the States and volunteer for a missions agency called Go To Nations. And when we volunteered there, we just gave them six weeks of our time. um, And their president said to us, I feel you've come to a crossroads in your ministry. Uh, And he said, I think God wants to give you a global impact. And for that, you need a global platform. And so he invited us to be a full-time missionary with GoTo Nations, which we, we felt was the Lord's next step for us. And we have 1,500 missionaries in 102 nations. And our role is to recruit, to train, and to send the next generation of missionaries to the nations. You know, we come alongside those who have a missions call on their life, and we create a pathway to help them to get to their destiny. Because I believe every church we come to, there's at least one person. And in a church of this size, there's probably 25 people that God is speaking to about missions. And you've not yet responded to that call. Why? Because you're distracted by so many other opportunities that are coming your way. And you're thinking, is this God? Is it not God? Well, you know, I always say the first two letters of God's name is go. If you're looking for a word, just say his name. God is saying, don't sit in your seat. Go somewhere. Go to your neighbors. Go to to, to be part of some of the outreaches that your, your church is involved with. Or go to the nations. 
For Julie and I, we felt God was saying, go to the nations, and we relocated to Jacksonville, Florida. And for us, it was, um, it was a big move for us to come to the States. You know, I said, Lord, why are we coming to America? America is a reached country. And he said, I haven't finished with the church in America yet. I'm going to raise up more missionaries. I'm going to use you to send out, turn the face of the American church back to the Great Commission. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, go into all the world. There was only one mission. And yet we have all these ministries now that, that are distracting people in a sense from the one mission that Jesus gave us to go into all the world. And our, our job is to remind you, hey guys, you're doing a great work, but are you reaching people? Are you reaching the lost? If you're not reaching the lost, you might as well go to heaven now because you have no earthly use in the kingdom of God because you have one purpose that you were brought here to do. So we, um, we, we told you that we came here Father's Day last year, just dropped in. I think we had an opportunity to share a little bit about going to Tanzania. And it was so exciting um, to, 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 to go into Tanzania. Why we went there is we'd been invited to train 8,000 pastors pastors in the next three years, how to send missionaries from their churches in Tanzania to the rest of the world. Tanzania is 51% Christian, and yet they still see themselves as the mission field. We went to tell them, you're not the mission field, you're the mission's force. God is raising up people in Tanzania, East Africa. We already trained 2,000 pastors, um, and you know it's exciting what they're doing there in Tanzania. They're already sending now missionaries out from our training. Um, um, and in May this year, we go for a month, and, we, and our team will train 5,200 pastors. How to send missionaries out of their churches to the nation. You know, it's every believer's responsibility. We had the opportunity yesterday to lead a missions workshop, and there we, we said it's every believer's responsibility as a disciple of Jesus, to take the gospel to the nations. There's no other seat in the church. There's no spectators allowed. It's not a spectator sport to be a Christian. Jesus said, you're joining me 2,000 years ago. He came and he rescued us, and now you're part of the rescue team. You need to get on the bus because the bus is moving and God wants you to be used in ministry. Yesterday we said that Jesus gave everyone the ministry of reconciliation. That moment that you got saved, you became a new creation. So you're all in the ministry. If you want, go to, go to work tomorrow and say, what do you do? I'm in the ministry. I'm in the ministry. What does that mean? It says God loves you. God sent his son to die for you. And I'm here to help you to have a relationship with him. So we're excited by what's happening in Tanzania. Uh, we were there one Sunday morning service. We were invited to preach in a church there. Uh, 800 people in the congregation. And they'd never heard anybody tell them that they could be missionaries. Or God wanted them to reach the nations. And when we did an altar call, we had 120 people come forward saying, God speaking to me about coming to the nations. We're in the evening service, we spoke to 600 people on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to reach your neighbors and the nations. And out, out of 500, uh, 600 people, 500 people came forward in the altar call saying, here I am, Lord, use me. Use me to reach my neighbors. Re use me to reach my city. Reach me to, uh, use me to reach the rest of Tanzania, the rest of Africa, and the rest of the world. You know, it's so exciting. There's nothing more exciting than saying yes to God. 
If you say, Lord, use me, he will use you. If you can get past the distraction of having to sacrifice and give up things, God will give you greater than your imagination. And so Julie and I are just on a roller coaster ride right now. We're excited about what God is doing in our lives. And I really need to get to my message this morning. So... You know, missions is God's work of bringing Christ to a world that needs him through you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. I have work to do this morning. I want to speak to you briefly this morning from Luke chapter 10. Um, the, The whole chapter of Luke chapter 10 is talking about the harvest. You know, Jesus likens the lost people of the world as a harvest that he wants to bring in. And he says that the, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. There are people waiting right now for you to go and tell them about Jesus. Have you ever imagined that? People are waiting It's not the case of you're sitting thinking, Lord, what shall I do? God is already working on the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit is already talking to people in villages that you don't even know exist at yet. And God is speaking to them and he's looking for somebody who will say, I will abandon the American dream and I will get a kingdom dream that God is going to use me to do exceedingly abundantly above all I ever thought or imagined. Because I believe that the Bible is true. Anybody believe that the Bible is true? Maybe half of it's true, but all that rest of that stuff about, you know, where your treasure is, your heart is, and giving your funds to missions, isn't that tough stuff? You know, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about prayer. Why? Because it defines us. Look at, at your, 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 your banking app or your checkbook or your, or your balance sheet, and it'll tell you what defines you. It'll show you where your treasure is. Julie and I have treasure in heaven because we are investing everything into the kingdom of God. Because, you know, this world is not forever. This life is not forever, but eternity is forever. And we are investing in eternity. When we get to heaven, I want to see tens of thousands of people that I never knew there coming up to me saying, because you went and you preached in that village, they went and they preached in that village and they went and they preached in that village. And I, my family was in that third village or that third country where you sent a missionary. And you know, that's the reward you can look forward to in heaven when you invest in sending people to take the gospel to the nations. So um, Luke chapter 10, the the first part of it talks about Jesus appointing 72 people and sending them out into the harvest. And then it goes on and it, uh, it talks about praying for the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. You know, I, I, I just encourage you, church, that you, in your prayer time, pray that the Lord will send people out to the harvest. Pray for the unreached people group. Yesterday, we said 2.7 billion people, a third of the planet, have never heard of the name of Jesus. They don't know that Jesus came. You know, we look into the second coming. They don't know he came the first time. They don't have the hope that we have. And so I just encourage you this morning to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers out. Be careful because that that laborer may be you. Uh, It was me. I I prayed that prayer, Lord, wherever you go, I will will follow. If you open a door, I'll go through it. And then he said, go to, to Zimbabwe in Africa. And I'm like, oh, Lord. 
can we not go to maybe Hawaii or, or maybe the Bahamas or <laughs> I'll suffer the sunscreen, Lord. I'll suffer the sunscreen. But wherever God calls you to, it's important. Uh, I was listening to a Facebook uh, live. Uh, it's Breakfast with Champions. One of our pastor friends does this morning. And he said there, he said, uh, oppor- uh, he said obedience is the key to opportunity. You know, if you're obedient to the Lord, the opportunities will come. If you're obedient to the Lord, the provision will come. You know, you will prosper. You will burst forth if you just important uh, trust the Lord in that. And what I really want to get down to is Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37. And you probably, most of you have heard of this story. It's the story really that we class as the Good Samaritan. Jesus said, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him of his clothing. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Then a priest happened. Praise God for priests. You know, there's this man bleeding and dying on the Jericho road and a priest comes and the priest looks and thinks, wow, this is a little bit too much for me. Um, I'll leave it to the next person, and he he carries on. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man laying there, he passed to the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man laying there, he passed on the other side. And then Jesus said, a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine. And when he put the man on his own donkey, he took him to an inn and took care of him. And then it says, the next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus asked the lawyer, now which of these three people, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him to go and do likewise. You know, this story, sometimes I've heard this story preached a a lot uh, and this particular parable. And sometimes we can misunderstand what this story is about. So, so this guy comes, sees somebody in need, and he decides to help him, where two other people didn't help him. But, you know, this story is really for the church, because it was a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. I love the way Jesus chose a Samaritan, because the Jews hated the Samaritans. He was the most unlikely person to have stopped and helped. They didn't want to think that there was anything good about a Samaritan. But he said, I suppose the neighbor was the one who had mercy on the man who was lying on the road. And I like to think of the man who was lying on the road as representing hurting humanity. Those that are in need, those that that maybe don't know the light of the gospel, those who are maybe homeless, maybe they're struggling, maybe they don't have food, maybe they don't have access to some of the stuff that we have. And sometimes, you know, I don't know about you, but don't you sometimes class different people in different categories and you think, well, I can minister to that type of person, but it's a bit awkward to be around them. I don't understand that lifestyle. I don't understand that drugs background that they've come 
come from. I don't quite understand that situation that they've been raised in, and it feels uncomfortable. But, but this Samaritan saw this man bleeding and dying. He said, I, I can't pass him. I can't just pass him. And, and it, it goes on to say that he took it, the stuff off his donkey. Now, now this was a route uh, that, that many, these people listening to this story would have known that this was a trade route that this man was on. So this man wasn't out taking his donkey for a walk on a Sunday afternoon. This man was going somewhere, probably to trade some goods. And he's looking and thinking, how can I get this man to, to get him some help? And he says, well, I've got a donkey, but it's full of goods. And I like to think of those goods as representing those things that are really important to us. He says, if I, you know, this place was full of robbers. This is why the man was lying on the floor, because somebody had robbed him. Somebody had taken something from him. You know, I like to think the fact that this man was robbed of maybe his salvation because somebody took the opportunity to come to Jesus to him. And yet this uh, Samaritan coming down, he's saying, well, I, I, I want to help. What can I do? But if I take my stuff off, the robbers will come and take my goods. And it's my livelihood. And what I'm saying is it was inconvenient for this Samaritan to help this person. You know, if you're looking to stay in your comfort zone of convenience, to do all God wants you to do, then you've got another thing coming. You're, you're deluding yourself. You're living a lie. But, you know, sometimes we have to make sacrifice. Sometimes we have to make choices that will affect even our livelihood to do the things that God is calling us to do. And the, I just want to look very, very briefly in the five minutes I have left to, I'm just saying that for Pastor Sam so he knows I know there's five minutes left. But there's three things this man did that we need to do as Christians. Number one, he dared to look. You know, we was preaching in a church once and I was saying about the poverty in the world and, and the people who are bleeding and dying and struggling and they don't have any food. And a lady said, you know, I don't like to hear that. You know, it upsets me and I don't like that sort of preaching. I, 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 well, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I will never say any of that again. No, I didn't say that. You know, I, I said, well, I, I'm sorry, but that's reality. That's the world in which we live. It may not be the world that surrounds you. But I'm just trying to give the church a picture of the world that Jesus said for us to go into with the gospel. This is the world that, that we need to reach. I, I said, I know it's nice to, to come in and worship, and it's nice to be in an air-conditioned building, and it's, and it's lovely. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, did you feel that, that fuzzy feeling? Let's go home, and, and you know, let's, where are we going for lunch today? And then we forget that, and then we go on. To, and we, I like to think of this as a holy huddle. Let's just be part of the holy huddle. And one day Jesus will come back, and he'll say, what did you do for me? He said, oh, I was just amazing in the holy huddle. Jesus hasn't called you just to be part. I love church. I love worship. I love coming in and feeling the sense of the Holy Spirit doing what he, only the Holy Spirit can do for our lives. But you know, he's empowering you and infilling you for a purpose. And that purpose is that you take the, the gospel to your Jerusalem. That's right throughout Tyler. Into your Judea, your Samaria, and right to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, Tyler, Texas is the uttermost parts of the earth to some people. He's brought me from Wales to Tyler, Texas today to tell you that, that you need to do something. And, and I, please don't look at me and say, oh, wow, he was a bit forceful. I'm just telling you what Jesus said to do. 
I'm just agreeing with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that you have made Lord of your life. You one of you said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do. But don't ask me to do that because it's too difficult. Roughly 150,000 people die every day. 100,000 of them will die today without giving their life to Christ. 100,000 people will die and go to hell today. That's 700,000 people every week that are dying and going to hell. You know, if your neighbor who loves you greatly or or your work colleague who loves you greatly uh, thinks you're an an amazing person because you're so kind to him, if he is there in hell and he says, you knew about this and you never told me, I, I wonder how much he liked you as a neighbor then. But then it'll be too late. But now you have the opportunity because you have the words of eternal life. You have the hope to the nations inside of you. You have the power of heaven living. You know, the Bible says if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it'll quicken you. That means you have the power of heaven, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Why? For a purpose, to reach the nations. 68 people every minute die without Christ. Out of the 100,000, 45,000 of them never had an opportunity to hear the gospel one time. Can I challenge you this morning? Will you go and tell the gospel to somebody that's never heard of it? Maybe some of those people are in your neighborhood, but I guarantee you they're in the nations waiting for you. Oswald J. Smith said this. He said, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice. Well, there remains someone who has not heard it once. So that disqualifies every one of us. How many times have you heard the gospel? And you say, oh, thank you, Lord, I'm saved. But what about those who are not yet saved because they've never been saved? The second thing he did, he dared to get involved. I just encourage you this morning that, that you don't do what the religious folk, the first two guys in the story were religious people. And they just said, look, you know, it's, I don't have time for this. I, I, I pay my tithe. I do my stuff. I, 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 you know, I pray regularly. I don't have time for hurting humanity. And they just walked past this guy. But the Samaritan did to get involved. And that's my challenge to you this morning, that you get involved. I feel for, for what Pastor Sam was saying this morning, Pastor Chris was saying, and what we talked about yesterday is that the church is, is on a precipice. You're, you're ready to launch into something brand new, I believe, as a church. I believe God's going to take you into a new level of anointing in missions and outreach as a church. And, you know, a small group of people can do amazing things, but an entire church can do wonders. You can be world-changing if you all get together. You know, take off that spectator badge and just throw it in the trash and, and put on a volunteer badge and say, how can I serve your vision? Pastor Chris, what, what, what can I do? You know, Pastor Chris is there crying and praying, Lord, send somebody in who will help us with the end of the bridge ministry. Send somebody in. You know, you could be the answer to his prayer. And you may only have to give up that one coffee in Starbucks with your friend once a week to do that. You can be the answer. Get involved with what is being done. Then the third thing was he dared to commit until the task was finished. 
You know, when I teach students, we teach mission students, I say to them often, and this is something in America that's difficult, commitment is doing what you said you would do long after the emotion in which you said it is gone. You know, this is why sometimes I hate coming to a church scenario and stirring people's emotion and they come up to the altar and they say, I want to go to the nations. And, and I say, well, you know, you need to say that tomorrow and next week and the week after and then you need to go. You know, people say to me, I said that 20 years ago in a youth service and I've never gone yet. Well, wake up, church, and follow what God is calling you to do. I really want to end this morning by giving you an opportunity just to, to stand away from the crowd. Stand away and not be like the first and the second person. Not saying, you know, it's just inconvenient. And my creature comforts are more important to me than hurting humanity. Reaching the lost in Tyler, reaching the lost throughout the world, reaching the lost overseas is, is just not important to me. I want you to be able to say it is important to me. And it's important enough to me that I'm going to make a commitment. You know, January is the time of New Year's resolutions. I know some of you were going to go to the gym every week this year and you haven't done it and maybe next year. You know, but don't make that sort of resolution this morning. But make that sort of resolution that says, God, I'm stepping into the army of God. I'm stepping in to be a world changer. I'm stepping in to see change in people's lives. I'm going to see lives changed. I'm going to see families changed. I'm going to see villages and cities changed. I'm going to see nations changed. And today is the day. Would you stand with me this morning as I close? If God is speaking to you this morning and saying, this is the start of me making a commitment to be more involved. I don't know what involved looks like in your world, but trust God this morning. His plans are to prosper you and his plans are to to give you hope and a future. So this morning, if that's you, I'd just like you to raise your hand and so I can include you in a final prayer. If you're saying, Lord, I'm prepared to abandon my hopes and dreams just to live that life that you have ordained for me. If you can use my puny little life and my limited resource to be a world changer, to reach the world for Christ, use me. If he doesn't give you the ability to do it, then don't worry, you don't have to. But you know, God gives you grace for every season. How did Julie go through cancer? Five weeks of radiation and chemotherapy and keep a smile on her face because God gave her the grace to overcome. There is nothing that the enemy will throw at us that God will not give you the grace and the peace to overcome. I would like to pray for you and include you in that prayer. Father, we thank you today. This is a holy moment, Lord Jesus. This is not just a resolution of what's going to happen in 2020. But Father, this is a stirring up and a launching of, of, of an entire church that is committed to seeing the gospel and the great commission fulfilled in this lifetime, Lord. We can reach the world for Christ. You've called us as individuals, but you've called us corporately. Father, I just give you permission in my life to in 2020 to do whatever it takes to maximize the potential of your call in my life. And Father, I see people with their hands raised here today saying the same thing. Lord, take my life. Lord, use me for your glory. Nothing that I want is, is more important 
than to see in the world saved because I want you to come back, Lord. I want you to come back and live in heaven with you, but I want to take the rest of the world who don't know you with me to be part of that day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your anointing, Father, you that's here today, Lord. Father, thank you for those you are calling to go to the nations. Thank you for those you are raising up to say, I don't feel called to go, but I'm going to use my resources, my time, my talent, and my treasure. I'm going to financially support missionaries this year. I'm going to support the outreaches of this church. I'm going to give beyond my capacity to give because I know if God can get it through me, he'll get it to me. And I stand in faith this morning, trust in you, in Jesus' name.